As G.K. Chesterton said, a dead thing can go with the stream, but only a living thing can go against it. Here on Swimming Upstream, we go against the cultural stream by championing life, liberty, and the pursuit of holiness. Your host is Eric Sammons, author of seven books, including Holiness for Everyone, The Old Evangelization, and Bitcoin Basics. Now let's get swimming. Welcome to episode 85 of Swimming Upstream. I'm Eric Sammons. Today what I wanted to discuss was the issue of how we should help the poor. Specifically, what are the best things that we can do to actually help those who are in poverty? Now, over the past, I don't know, generation or so, at least all, all in my lifetime, helping the poor has really become a liberal issue. I put liberal in quotes. You didn't see my, my fingers do the, the scare quotes, but I did them anyway. But really the idea that those who care about the poor are typically politically liberal. And the stereotype is that conservatives and libertarians, especially libertarians, they don't care about the poor. They basically just represent the rich. And you see that somewhat in how people vote. Uh, those who are of lower income typically vote more liberal, and those of a higher income typically vote more conservative or libertarian. And that's not obviously true in all cases, but it a lot of times does hold true. We see that also in the Catholic Church in that Pope Francis, who is, uh, I think, indisputably the most liberal pope we've had probably in history, he has made helping the poor a key theme of his pontificate. And anybody who follows him at all knows how much he talks about the, the need to help the poor. And so that just kind of adds to the stereotype that helping the poor is a liberal issue. And, of course, Pope Francis has politicized helping the poor. He has made it a political issue himself because he has talked a lot, he has combined the idea of helping the poor with condemnations of capitalism, capitalism as he understands it, in praising government-run programs and saying these programs are necessary. And also, frankly, I mean, this is a little bit of an aside, but Pope Francis has often focused a lot on the material world to the expense, in my opinion, of the spiritual world. He's talked a lot about the need to help people materially without really talking as much about helping them spiritually. But that's not really the topic of this podcast. But I will say, though, the greatest poverty in the world today is spiritual. It's not material. For example, in the Middle Ages, where there was not a lot of material prosperity that, that uh, for most people, there was a lot of spiritual prosperity, though, for a lot of people in the Middle Ages in Europe. And so is our time better than their time? Because our time has a lot more material prosperity, but not very much spiritual prosperity, where they were the opposite. I think you can make a very strong argument that the Middle Ages were a better time in a lot of ways. Particularly here in the United States, I would claim we are very poor spiritually. We have a very poor spiritual uh, culture. And so although the United States is by far the most materially prosperous uh, country in the history of the world, I would also say, though, that we are spiritually uh, not rich and very poor. Now, because of this, the idea that, you know, uh, Helping the poor is a liberal issue. Pope Francis is advocate. Many conservatives and libertarians tend to react to that, and they end up forgetting the poor. Let's be honest. They end up not doing a lot to care for the poor. They, they see the politics behind it. They don't support the politics behind it or the overemphasis of it. 
And then they end up reacting by not helping the poor. However, as Catholics, as Christians, we're obligated to help the poor. Helping the poor isn't a, an option for those who follow Jesus Christ. It is a requirement of following Jesus Christ. And there's just no other way around that. And you can see this very clearly in Scripture. I could sit here for probably the next hour and just quote Scripture passages that make, it, make this clear. But let me just quote a few. I won't bore you with an hour's worth. You can look them up yourself. For example, Proverbs 3, 27 through 28 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. Now, let's be honest. For most Americans, we already have it with us. Most Americans, and I'm talking about everybody from, I would say, probably the lower middle class all the way up to the highest classes, have everything they need for survival. Now, maybe perhaps due to bad financial decisions, uh, poor situation, whatever, maybe they are strapped right now. But in general, we have more than what we need to live. I mean, I had another podcast, uh, I think it was a week or two ago, about living more simply. And the reason I had that is because so, much, so many of us, myself included, don't live simply, and we waste so much when people are in need. And, and Scripture says very clearly that if it is in our power to act, we should do so to help others. Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done makes clear that the Lord looks kindly on those who help the poor. Now here, how about this one? This is 1 John 3.17. Now we're in the New Testament. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, with actions and in truth. Think about that for a minute. If you have material possessions and see a brother or sister in need, but don't have pity on them, how can you have the love of God? Don't just use words or speech, but actions and in truth. And so what this is saying is, very clearly, if we have material possessions, and I'd be willing to bet that almost every single person, if not every single person who listens to this podcast, has material possessions beyond what they need. But we don't help those in need. Do we really have the love of God in us? John would say, the Apostle John would say, no. And, of course, the most classic verse, uh, the last one I want to mention is, the most classic passage from Scripture is, of course, the parable of the sheep and the goats, in which the Son of Man comes in his glory. It would be like a king who separates his subjects as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He places a sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And to the goats, he basically says... Depart from me, you cursed in an eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. And he basically says, this is, every time you see somebody like that, it is he. So those who do not help the poor, you will be judged for that. And those who do help the poor, you will be judged because the sheep on the right they enter into the kingdom because of the fact they help the poor. Archbishop Chaput, the, the Archbishop of Philadelphia, great bishop, he has a quote where he says, I've said many times over the many years that if we ignore the poor, we will go to hell, literally. And I think it's a very clear uh, way to read this, the, the parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew 25. 
We will be judged on how we treat the poor and needy. Pope Francis says this a lot, and he's right to say that. It's, it's a Christian obligation, a Christian duty to help the poor. And so we don't really have a, an out on this one. This isn't something we can try to figure out. You know, we try to read passages in ways that, we, that make it so we don't have to do certain things. There is no out on this one. This is just too clear from Scripture, from tradition, from the you know, teachings of the church, everything you, you, from top to bottom. It's an obligation to help the poor for every Catholic, every Christian. And, you know, Bishop Shapu, I think, made that very clear, what the consequences are if we don't. Now, the question, though, becomes, and this is where the criticism of somebody like Pope Francis or liberal politicians comes in, how do we help the poor? And I do think we are supposed to use our minds when we decide how to help the poor. Sure, we could just go to a very poor area, maybe in downtown, and start throwing money on the ground and just saying, okay, people can come take money. But is that really helping them? I don't think it is. So we're not just supposed to be stupid about how we help the poor. We're supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to use our brains. And this is where, of course, your problem with your liberal politicians with their policies come in. And Pope Francis, frankly, his, his ideas for political policies is that often these policies end up hurting the poor, not helping them, under the guise of helping the poor. So how is it we do help the poor? I have... I, I'm just going to give three different ways that we can help the poor. The first one is we help the poor spiritually. Now, when I say this, I basically include everybody now who is spiritually poor. So they might be material, materially rich. They might be materially poor. But we need to help them spiritually. And so the fact is most people today are spiritually poor, and so we need to help them. And I do think that's the higher obligation. I don't think you can do one without the other, but I do think if you had to rate them, so to speak, you would helping the poor out spiritually is the more important duty. And so we need to evangelize. We need to share the good news. I mean, I've talked about that on lots of podcasts. I've you know, made my life's work really at, in evangelization. We need to pray for those who are spiritually poor, those we know, those we don't. We need to invite them to our parish, for example. Try to get them in contact with, uh, with you know, a, a Catholic parish in their neighborhood or something like that. Get them back to the sacraments if they're if they're a fallen away Catholic. Get them to uh, to the sacraments if they're you know for the first time if they're not Catholic. We need to do these things because we need to help people first and foremost spiritually, because. The fact is, material poverty, part of the reason people are materially poor, and this is not the only reason, is because they are spiritually poor. Because when you're spiritually poor, you you don't practice the virtues. And practicing the virtues is good in its own sense, and it's good because we do it because we love God and we love our neighbor. But it also does help us. If you practice the virtues, you have a better chance to succeed materially in life. I'm not saying if you practice virtues, you're going to be as rich as Bill Gates. But I am saying you're much more likely to have a job, a steady job, a steady income. Because if you think about it, you get a job. Let's say you get a We all know people like this. You get a job, and then you decide, you know, you start sleeping in, and you start being late to your work. And then all of a sudden, you get fired. You try to get another job. You do the same thing. The cycle repeats. Well, now you don't have a stable income. Why? Simply because you're not practicing virtue. 
And so the person who practices virtue, they're prudent, they're, they're patient, they're on time to things, all these different virtues, if they practice those, they're much more likely to be a good employee, and therefore they're much more likely to keep a good job and even advance and be promoted. Now, their talents might make it that they're not going to ever be a, a multimillionaire from that, but they can have a good, steady work. So these, these two items are connected, both in the fact that if we're going to help people spiritually, we have to help them materially. But on the other side of it, if, you help your, if somebody is helped spiritually, they will help themselves materially in most situations. Now, there are situations in which people are materially poor through no fault of their own or through you know, just things that happen and, and they can't help it and they haven't done anything uh, uh, anything uh, wrong or morally wrong or anything like that. But I would argue that a large percentage of the, the, the materially poor, the reason they're materially poor is because they're spiritually poor. And often the reason they're spiritually poor is because we have not, those of us who are not spiritually poor or materially poor have not reached out to them. They've never been told the good news. So that makes it difficult. So that's the first thing I would argue we should do to help the poor is to help them spiritually. The second item we can do to help the poor might sound a little funny, but I think it really is an important point is we need to support capitalism. (laughs) Now, what do I mean by capitalism? Before I go on, Pope Francis likes to condemn capitalism, but I think what he thinks by cap is capitalism is not what I think it is and what I think it really how it should be defined. Capitalism is simply allowing voluntary free exchanges between people. That's it. That's really all capitalism is. It's just allowing two people to exchange goods or services to each other freely and however they wish to do it, as long as both parties are doing it voluntarily. And so if I want to buy something from, uh, from Jane, Jane wants to sell that to me, we both think it's a good exchange, we both want the exchange to happen, we should be allowed to do that without any third party coming in saying, no, you're not allowed to do that. That's really all capitalism is. I mean, it's, it's made out to be a boogeyman, but ultimately that's what capitalism is. What happens is, is a lot of times, and I think Pope Francis falls into this trap a lot, is that we... We, we define capitalism as what's essentially cronyism or crony capitalism, which unfairly preferences the rich. For example, whenever the uh, government bails out some industry because of some problem, that's crony capitalism because what it's doing is it's preferencing certain people, certain individuals who are almost always rich because they're, they're running some major corporation, it, it, it's preferencing them over others unfairly. Whenever the tax code is set up so that certain people get tax breaks, like for example, um, who was that? Some, I think it was a sports team or something. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was Amazon. When Amazon was trying to find where to have their uh, their second headquarters, they made a big deal of going all over the country to look at all these different places and, and they just ended up in New York like everybody else. Because they got, and they got tons of tax breaks. That's crony capitalism. That's not capitalism because what it's doing is the government is picking winners and losers. Amazon should have the same playing field as everybody else. Now, the fact is, I think everybody should have the exact same tax break, i.e. almost no taxes. So, I mean, the problem isn't let's go tax everybody a lot. It, the, the, the real problem is that we tax people too much and we should reduce taxes for everybody across the board, not just for certain people who have the, the, the most money to spend on lobbyists and things like that. So 
That's what capitalism is. And that's what I'm saying. That's what helps the poor more than anything. No system, no political system has lifted more people out of poverty than capitalism in history. It's not, there's not even a close second. And no system, I would say, as an aside, has brought more people into poverty than socialism. But let me give you a few quotes, a, a few stats. The number of people living in extreme poverty worldwide declined by 80% from 1970 to 2006 due to capitalism. Poverty worldwide included 94% of the world's population in 1820, which is about the time capitalism really started to take off. In 2011, it was only 17%. Hear that again. 94% of the world's population was would be considered poor in 1820 before capitalism has really taken hold through much of the world. 2011, after it had been basically in effect for 200 years, yes, lots of problems in certain parts of the world where they don't embrace it, but a lot of the country, a lot of the world, I'm sorry, has embraced it. It was only 17%. That's huge. Globally, those in the lower middle income brackets saw increases in pay of 40% from 1988 to 2008. Mortality rates. Now, here we're talking about something, the impact of what it means to be more materially uh, well-off is things like mortality rates. Kids aren't dying very young if you have a richer material country, if your country's more rich materially. Mortality rates for children under the age of five declined by 49% just in the years from 1990 to 2013. And so we see capitalism has done so much to lift people out of poverty. There's nothing more we can do that would help people lift people out of poverty more than capitalism. That's why it's so amazing to me that, that capitalism has become the boogeyman. It's supposedly against the poor. And that liberal politicians who almost always attack capitalism, they're the ones who are seen as helping the poor. Whereas capitalists, which are libertarians and conservatives, they're seen as not loving the poor. They care for the poor more. If you, the more you care for capitalism, the more you care for the poor. I mean, period. End of story. So we need to support policies that strengthen capitalism, not ones that weaken capitalism. We also need to support countries that sell to the poor. Here's another issue. I was listening recently to an episode of the Tom Woods show, and I'll, I'll try to link to it in the show notes. It's, it's, it's a pretty recent episode. And he was talking about how so many liberals on the left, they attack these, these stores, these companies that service the poor. For example, dollar stores is one example. Um, Walmart is another example. Because they sell to the poor and they, they act like somehow they're the problem. That like a dollar store somehow hurts the poor. I don't even know how. I mean, it's like uh, because they sell these, these items that aren't as good, you know, they're not, like, I think the argument against dollar stores in these poor areas is they're not selling fresh fruits. They're only selling processed food. And so the poor don't get fresh fruits because often they don't have a store that sells fresh fruits towards them. Well, they're the only ones who are selling there. If you think you can do better, you should open up a store selling fresh fruits in a poor neighborhood and, and make a business out of it. Instead of attacking the few people who will service the poor and give them something something to, that, that helps their lives for a very cheap cost, why don't you find a way to make a business model that works? There's a reason why these things happen. It's not because people are, are just against the poor. It's because often the business model doesn't work. So why attack those who have, who have found a business model that does work to help service the poor? You know, why would it be, why is it smart? Why is it, why is it like virtuous? to want to take away options from the poor instead of, you know, instead of giving them more. I mean, the dollar store is a, 
option for the poor that, that, that they, they wouldn't have if you got rid of it. So instead of like them not having it, they have it. That's a good thing. If you want to open up another store in competition that sells fresh fruits and all this other stuff, go ahead and do it. That's great. And if the dollar store goes out of business because of that, that's fine. So the idea that somehow these companies that, that, that sell and market to the poor are somehow uh, hurting them is just ludicrous because they're the, actually the only ones helping them. It's the same thing with like the minimum wage laws. Minimum wage laws, they almost exclusively hurt those who need jobs the most. They hurt the poor. If somebody says, I am willing to work for $6 an hour because that's better than the $0 an hour that I make now, they should be willing to work for $6 an hour. And the company should be able to hire them for that. If another company says, hey, I think you're worth $8 an hour, great, they can change jobs to the $8 an hour. If there's competition, then the, the price will naturally, the, 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 the wage will naturally go up. So like a minimum wage law is another thing to be against if you want to truly help the poor and lift them out of poverty because you're, you're taking away options, job possibilities that would be open to people who may, you know, who would be only maybe their skills only are worth $6 an hour now can't find a job. You know, we see this when these areas want to create $15 minimum wage laws. What happens? McDonald's ends up just installing uh, machines that will do it, these kiosks that will, that will take your order. So what happens is people who they had no skill set to work a higher-paying job, and really McDonald's might be the best job they can, they can have, and usually this is younger people coming out of high school or in high school, something like that, but whatever the case may be, they just don't have the skill set um, to have a better job. Now they just can't get a job because a kiosk replaced them, and, 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 the, and McDonald's probably wouldn't have had to worry about kiosks if they were able to pay them a market rate instead of what they're forced to pay by the government. So I would just say, if you want to help the poor support capitalism, don't be swayed by scare tactics that say you hate the poor if you don't support welfare and big government. That's just simply not true. You don't have to support welfare and big government in order to love the poor. I think that's a, that's a, a mistake that people, a, a myth that people have, and it's used as a scare tactic. Basically, that's how often politicians sell their policies, their big government policies, their welfare policies to say, if you don't support this thing, you hate poor people. And it's simply not true because what they're doing doesn't help poor people. Something like a minimum wage law does not help poor people. Because, I mean, I know the logic is, oh, they're making $15 an hour now. That's more than they were making before. No, they don't have jobs now because of that. Same thing with like a rent control situation where you force the rent to be a certain amount. And so people stay in there longer than they need to or longer than they should. And it just totally kills the, the free market. And so people end up not being able to live in places that, that they could otherwise. So support capitalism. That's another way to help the poor. Now, the third way I say we help the poor is through charity. The, the fact is, is the free market, I believe, is a great thing. I, I believe the free market will help more people than any other system that we can conceive of, at least today. However, we don't live in a utopia. We don't live in paradise. We don't live in the Garden of Eden. There will still be people who are poor in a free market system. There will be a lot less people, but there will still be people, people with mental illness perhaps, people with disabilities, people who've had just various things happen beyond their control. People, you know, through whatever reason, they're poor. It's not going to solve every problem. It's not a panacea or anything like that. Capitalism, the free market isn't. So there is a very definite need for charity. And as Catholics, as Christians, we must volunteer our time and money to charities to help the poor. 
We need to do that. You notice I said time and money. Not just money, but time and money. Now, how can we do that? I personally think that we should spend most of our resources in helping the poor on charities that, are not, that don't get government assistance. Because I think once a charity gets government assistance, it is in bed with the government. It has to abide by the rules of the government. And I think that usually ends up being a bad thing. I think they start becoming simply a government agency with kind of a, a public face, so to speak. So personally, I don't give to charities and I don't try to help charities as much as possible that also get government funding. They can, you know, I just don't see any reason to do that. I try to focus on those that don't do that. Um, also, I would say is I try to focus on charities that are either Catholic or at least Christian, that understand there's a spiritual component to uh, the, the poverty issue. The, the number one place I would always, um, I support more than any, is the Franciscan Friars that are renewal. They're based in New York, but they have friaries in other places. The CFRs, that's their uh, initials for them, the spiritual health, CFRs, they help people spiritually and materially. And so I really think they're one of the best places to give because you know they're not, they're not making money off of this because they all live under the vows of poverty, chastity, obedience. They live as Franciscans. I mean, my goodness. They're, they're not taking this for some luxury vacations. They're not, they don't have some big wig in ministry or anything like that. They, the money you give them goes sim, almost it goes directly to helping the poor. So that's an organization. That's just one example. I'm saying that's one you have to give to, but that's one example is the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. But that's kind of a standard that you should look at. Does this organization, does it, does it get, take money from the government? Is it a Christian or Catholic organization? I would also say, and this kind of goes a little bit away from what I said about supporting the CFRs, I think we should focus on local as much as possible. Focus locally on helping the poor as much as possible. The fact is, I live in Ohio. I, I simply I can't help the poor people in California or New York or China. I mean, that's not really, we're not responsible for every single person in the world. I just simply can't do it. I'm not saying you can't have somebody you support maybe in Africa, like maybe there's a, a, a system where you give money. I think it's Compassion International, one of those, where you give money to help a poor person in a foreign country. Those are great things. But I do think the majority of our resources, both time and money, should be spent locally. This is what we're responsible for. We're responsible for the poor in our area. We're not responsible for the poor all over the world. We can't solve all the world's problems. So I always suggest trying to find places to help locally. So, for example, volunteering at a soup kitchen or a food pantry, helping give the, the poor in your area uh, skills that they can do to, to, to support themselves. I mean, that's probably one of the best things you do. Maybe there's a job assistance program. Maybe you have certain skills that you can teach to others. Something like that is a, is a very beneficial thing that you can do to help the poor. Because I think what I, I think soup kitchens and food pantries, things like that, are very necessary because they're kind of the front lines of helping somebody who's in a desperate situation. I do think you all, we also should look at uh, more long-term solutions so somebody can, we, we want to lift people out of poverty. We don't want them living in such a way that they're always dependent upon handouts. Yes, people will be dependent on hand, handouts at some time in their life at, at various times. I get that. And that, we need to hand it out to them in those cases. But we want to lift them out of poverty so they don't have to do that anymore. Another thing we can do for charity is, and this goes back to my last, I think it was my last podcast, the one where I talked about uh, minimalism and being simple is, 
clear out all the crap in your house and give it away. I mean, so many of us have things that were just sit in our closets that could be used by somebody else. I did this recently where I cleared out my closet. I don't even have that, 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 that many clothes. Yet, at the same time, I found I had way more than I needed. So I cleared it out. I gave it away. There, you know, maybe the same thing as DePaul Society or the um, Goodwill or something like that where people can get cheaply or free. Uh, it'd be great if you find a charity that would just give it away for free in certain situations. But I think something like St. Vincent DePaul or Goodwill are fine as well. And so that's another great way to help the poor is out of your material abundance, you should give to those in need. Another thing I would say as far as giving to, to time and money, you know, time is very important. And I, I, I think that's the priority is because I think as you give your time, you encounter the poor and it becomes a more real thing for you. And you can identify with them in a lot a, a lot more than you would just by writing a check to a charity. But I would also say, though, that I think it was Father Benedict Grishel with the CFRs. It might have been somebody else who said, basically, if you... If giving doesn't hurt some, you're not really giving. Because if you give out of your abundance, that's not really giving. That's not really charity. It's when you give in such a way that it hurts you some, that's charity. Where you're, you, you maybe you're, you're giving more money, you know, you're giving a little more money than you think you can. That's really charity. Yes, we have responsibilities to our family, first and foremost. A, a father who gives all his money away and doesn't support his own kids, you know, the food on his kids' plates or, or the house over their heads isn't being a very good father. But at the same time, there's a lot of things we, we buy and, and have that we don't need that we should consider instead, okay, let's give this instead to the poor, this money or, 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 the, or things we've already bought. Now, one issue I wanted to just bring up real quick under this idea of charity is, what about the people who come up and ask you for money? when you're on the street. This is a perennial question when it comes to helping the poor. I go to a parish that's downtown and in an urban area, and so this happens to me not every week, but most weeks somebody will come up to me uh, when I'm going to Mass or something like that and ask for, ask for some money, ask for some help. Now, I want to just say the first thing is I know it's likely that a good number of the people, if not the majority of the people who do that, they're, they're, they're simply addicted to drugs, and they want the money for drugs. I understand that. And so because of that, we're not obligated to give to that person. It's not just because somebody asks you that you're obligated to give to them. I mean, obviously, you're obligated to help the poor, but that doesn't mean you're obligated to give to every single person who asks you for it, especially if you have a very strong suspicion that it's just going to be used for drugs, something to hurt them. So don't feel like you're ever obligated to give it. That being said... There's, no re, there, there's nothing wrong with giving them something either, giving them some cash right there either. We're not responsible for what they do with it. They are responsible for that. And so I know a lot of um, religious, you know, Franciscans especially, they will just go ahead and give and just figure, well, I'm going to leave it up to the Lord to, to guide that person to give it, you know, to use the money wisely, but I can't be responsible for that. So they just always give. It doesn't hurt to do that. I would say, though, when somebody comes up to you and asks ask for money or something like that, you treat them as a human being. You don't treat, you don't dismiss them. You know, I always try to make sure I talk to the person, look them in the eye, maybe put my hand on their shoulder, something like that, because I want them to know I, I, I consider them a human being, a fellow image of God. And so I don't just dismiss them. I know sometimes you're in a rush and things can happen. It, it, can, it can be annoying. I, I get all that. But I think we should try to treat them as, you know, the human beings, the images of God that they are. Now, I will say there are creative solutions for this. If you're, especially if you're in a situation where you regularly encounter people who are uh, asking you for money like we do, 
Then my wife came up with a great idea. First, one time, uh, years ago, when she was an intern in Washington, downtown Washington, D.C., she would every day just pack some extra fruit with her, a couple extra apples or bananas. And then somebody asked her for something, she'd give her that, give, them, they give the person that, because, you know, that, what, that can't hurt them, give them an apple or banana. Uh, lately, though, what she's been doing, because we can't, you know, always carry fruit with us to, uh, to, to church with us or anything like that, and it could go bad or whatever, is she got gift cards to a local uh, restaurant. It's, it's a Skyline Chili, for those who know what Skyline Chili is. But the, the point is, it's not just strictly fast food, although it could be that. But it could be like a Subway or something like that. One that you know is in the neighborhood. And she just gives them a gift card, $5, $10, $15, something like that. That way they can use that to, to buy themselves a meal. Now, yes, I understand they could go through uh, hoops and, and sell to somebody to get money for drugs, something like that. But again, you're not responsible for everything that happens to what you give away. You're only responsible for what you do in that situation. So I think the gift card idea is, is, is a great idea my wife had because you're giving them something that you know is most likely to be used to, to help them in a way. You could also just say if there's a restaurant nearby or a deli or something like that, you say, hey, come over here with me. I'm going to buy you lunch. Let's say it's you know, lunchtime or dinner time. I'll, I'll buy you a meal. You just go in with them, buy them the meal. And that way you know they're eating something. So that's another great way to do it. So... Again, you're not obligated to help every person who comes to you asking for help. But I do think we should err on the side of generosity instead of suspicion. We should try to help people as much as we can. So those are my three things I say that we can do to help the poor. First is we need to help them spiritually. Second is we need to support capitalism. And third is we do need to do acts of charity, both with our time and our money. It's good to write checks to charities, but it's even better to donate our time to it, to really encounter the poor and be one with them as much as possible. But I do think we can't let, you know, most of my listeners, I believe, are probably libertarians and conservatives. And so I just want to encourage those who are libertarians or conservatives, don't let people like Pope Francis or the various liberal politicians and Nancy Pelosi's or whoever don't let them make helping the poor a liberal issue. If we really make sure we use our time and resources to help the poor as conservatives, as libertarians, I think we can hopefully break that stereotype, which isn't the most important thing to break the stereotype. The most important thing is just to help the poor. But I think it, would, it puts a lie to that, I think, to, to the idea that it, it, the myth that we don't love the poor, we don't care for them. And so when people say that's the case, we can just say, no, we do help. We do love the poor. We do care for them. That's why we do these things. And here are the things that we do. So I want to encourage you in 2019, make a commitment to help the poor in one of these in, or in all of these ways, preferably. Just make sure you keep them in mind. Do not forget the poor because it is our obligation as Christians, as Catholics, it is our obligation to help the poor. And so we need to do all we can to help them and help them in a way that actually helps them, not just in a way that makes us feel good or looks good or makes other people think that we care and things like that. We do it in a way that actually helps them. Okay, well, that's it for today's show. A couple of things I just wanted to mention. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you subscribe to your podcast uh, so you can get the latest podcasts whenever they come out. Also, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Eric R. Salmons. 
Uh, you can see my ramblings, you know, on Twitter. But fortunately, my ramblings can't go more than 280 characters at a time. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, my public page is Eric Salmon Swimming Upstream. I think it's Eric Salmon's Dash Swimming Upstream, something like that. You can follow me there. And that, that kind of gives you an up-to-date on my latest writings, things I'm up to. And I'd appreciate that. Also, if you go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast, I'd really appreciate that because that really does help other people find out about it. The, the My audience, I've noticed, has been growing. So I want to just keep doing that. Hopefully, if you think this is worthwhile what I'm doing, you can let others know about it as well. Okay, well, that's it for today's show. Until next time, keep swimming against the stream.